We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two pitch, ball line to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well. And it's gone. Robin. A two-run home run. The Brewers take the lead. Morgan, a smash up the middle. Base hit the center. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Adam, this is a podcast about baseball. The Milwaukee Brewers, you and I have watched now 117 games and have sat down across from one another for, I think now, what will be 43 times uh, talking about Brewers baseball. Uh, But we might not be here doing this if not for the existence of two other podcasts. Uh, Eurobasket's coming up. Giannis is uh, getting ready to, to lead Greece to a Eurobasket title. And if you want to hear about that and all things Milwaukee Bucks, listen to our pals and colleagues, uh, Ty Windish and Rohan Kadi on the Eurostep podcast. They do a great job talking th- through things humorously and providing spot on analysis of the Bucks and the NBA at large. They laughed at a question that or a comment that I said in last episode about the most interesting matchup for the Bucks this season being the Charlotte Hornets because it's an Eastern Conference Finals preview. Nevertheless, great guys, great show, great analysis. And also, Adam, you talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. Did you know that? Did you know that you talk about the Milwaukee Bucks? I did. I did know that. I turns out I talk about most things, I think is is the way this this has panned out. But I talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. Jordan and I, uh, I don't think we'll have an episode this week, but hopefully early next week we'll get one back. We're going to start going uh, 
position by position, reviewing what the books had last year, looking ahead to what they have this year. And yeah, we'll have all sorts of Eurobasket talk and all kinds of other stuff too. Yeah, so if, if you're in the mood for any kind of Milwaukee sport, the Bucks, the Brewers, we've got you covered on the Eurostep network. Uh, Adam, but we're going to talk about uh, Major League Baseball, the Milwaukee Brewers, who were faced with a daunting task after losing two of three games to the St. Louis Cardinals, the division race in the National League and the wild card race in the National League coming into kind of crunch time. There's less than a month left in the season or well, a little more than a month, I guess. Um, math is hard because this season goes into October now. So a little bit uh, more than a month left in the season to shake things out. And the Brewers faced the Los Angeles Dodgers this week. It was a series we were concerned about as their opponents in these various races were going up against uh, teams of lesser quality. And I think at the end of the day, uh, the, the, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers come into town for four games. And you come away with it with a split. Uh, lost some ground in the division. Gained a little ground in the NL wild card. So all things considered, I think for this four-game stretch, it's job done and survival mode engaged. And so far, the Brewers are surviving. You got a split against the Dodgers. That is certainly no small feat. Uh, we were talking before the series about their comically large run differential. You get out of this with only a minus three run differential. Don't allow the Dodgers to have more than four runs in any game. Like, kudos. This is a, a really, really solid, um, impressive performance. Of course, there are issues. Of course, there are things we would like to see better. Things that, I guess, have been issues for quite some time. But... This does somewhat continue a trend we've seen throughout the season, which is big games, better teams. This this Brewers team gets it together. The problem has been the games they've just pissed away over the course of the season. Like that's that's your issue. You can trust them when it comes to games like this, but this is very much, you know, season was on the line here. Uh yeah. This is somewhere where it could really get away from you and you're going to have to go out to L.A. and play the Dodgers again next week. So you don't want to have a few off days here and be swept after losing a series to the Cardinals. That would certainly have the division well out of range. You'd be losing considerable ground in the wild card race. So holding their own here against the Dodgers is a big deal. We may get to, honestly, what's a bigger test for this team in the next series, which is, can you just, can you sweep the Cubs? Can you do something like that and, like, help yourself out? Help help me to help you kind of situation? Because that's really what it's about. You look at the schedule here and you're like, okay, maybe they can get one, or if we're really, really kind of optimistic or brave, get two. When they go out to LA, that would be a dream scenario. And then you've got nine games around that that are either Cubs or Pirates. Like, and the Diamondbacks for four after that. Like, it. this is where, okay, you've weathered through this series pretty impressively. If it's going to happen for the Brewers this season, they've got to put the foot down right now. Yeah, and that's exactly it. This is has to be a confidence boosting series especially for a pitching staff uh that it had some tough moments since the trade deadline obviously we've talked many times about the the bolstered bullpen 
And uh, we got a lot of a lot better showing this series from that bullpen and from the pitching staff at large. And if that's something that can carry over into these series against the Dodgers again ne- next week, and then some of these lesser teams, uh, that's something that can help the Brewers kick on and really make a run at the playoffs. So to talk more specifically about this series, it was not without its frustrations and stressors because this is baseball and this is Brewers baseball, and that's just the way it's going to be sometimes. Got things kicked off. Um, really early in terms of targeting specifically me with the pain because the first run in this series that was scored was a uh, home run by former Atlanta brave Freddie Freeman. I think your DMS were just like a therapy session of me just venting out my frustrations. I don't often get super emotional on this podcast. Apparently I did on another podcast we did yesterday. Uh, I, do, I, honestly, I don't know if that's true. Andrew. Uh, I don't scream as much on this podcast. It's all pre or oh, post podcast. Oh, oh, okay, maybe that's it. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 working out my feelings before. Uh, so Freddie Freeman hits the home run, puts the Dodgers ahead one nothing in the first inning. And did you scream? That what? Uh, I think I just like sunk my head sullenly. I have a dog named Freddie. His name officially now though with the i think it's the akc or whoever the golden retriever registered people are i didn't we didn't register for a year his name now officially is whatever his kennel name was uh or breeder name was and fastball freddy so there we go it's he's made the full turn into brewers fandom as well uh freddy freeman's home run would have been enough uh in this game it turns out uh but it didn't have to be this is a game where uh the brewers face uh julio arias on the mound a really talented left-hander, and that as we were talking about offline, first of all, he was facing off against Freddie Peralta. Uh, they were getting base runners against Arias. I mean, early and often. I think um, uh, Yelich walked to open the first inning. Adama singled, and then cut strikes out. Brasso flies out. Renfro lines out, and you get nothing in the first. Get the leadoff runner on in the second. Got the leadoff runner on in the third. Uh, finally didn't get the leadoff runner on in the fourth. And then from the fifth on, it kind of uh, lost its steam there. Arias ended up uh, laboring through the game in terms of allowing base runners, but didn't uh, didn't ever allow the big blow. Five innings pitched, four hits, two walks. So six base runners across five innings. The Brewers gave themselves chances. And then from that point, I, I don't believe they – got on again uh chris martin uh ferguson evan phillips and david price each coming into the game and not allowing a hit or a walk and um so that was just kind of it first through the first five innings gave themselves chances with runners on base just couldn't get that big hit freddie peralta another i think step forward um for him i think what we're looking for next is maybe for him to get deeper into a game that's probably where he is on his timeline four innings pitch two hits just the one run Four walks, though, was the big issue for him. Three strikeouts. And uh, just slightly uh, outdone by Julio Arias, the Dodgers get another run in the fifth on a Will Smith sacrifice fly. A Gavin Lux homer in the sixth makes it 4 nothing. And then with that shutdown relief pitching, that was pretty much it. But had chances early in the game, just couldn't cash in. Yeah, nine, 92 pitches for Freddie, so... This is the feels like the most he's had so far. It feels like he is right at the point where it's like, okay, he's where you need to be. Just need to uh, 
stretch those 92 pitches out over more innings now is is really the key for it. It'd be great to get a quality start out of Freddie Peralta soon. Uh, stuff's looking good. Even when he's getting in trouble, he had a really nice um, pitch out of trouble that in trademark fashion, he was unbelievably pumped up about. He was so, so excited and big fan of that. And I think that is really useful for the Brewers. It will just be more useful if you're getting those kind of Freddie Peralta reactions when he's got out of the sixth and then you're handing over to your your better relievers rather than being like, okay, we've got to really stretch out the bullpen now. Um, this is probably the, we might have to do this across things. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I do think it's major talking point in this series and it's probably going to continue to be a major talking point as the Brewers need to win all their games <laughs> coming in. Every time they don't win, they're going to lose some ground realistically um interesting lineup interesting lineup not for the first time not for the last time um mike brasso in gets the start colton long not being used against the lefty um so mike brasso comes in at third base luis arias goes second rowdy gets the start against the lefty gets the start at sixth in the order which i I don't quite understand that one. I'm curious for your thoughts on it. Um, but then actually puts up a pretty good outing. He goes two of four. What are your thoughts on this? I know this is, we'll, we'll check in probably game by game on some of the evolving decisions that were made. Um, Bross for, for Colton, I think we've, we've established that is the move. That is quite clearly the move right now. Um, even though it feels like my Brasso has cooled off quite a bit, we're not quite seeing what we saw earlier in the season. But Rowdy in, great. Rowdy way down the order? That was a little surprising. Yeah, uh, and that's that's where I come in in the Brasso, Long, Rowdy, Hira kind of four-man group that we see rotating in and out depending on if there's a Rowdy or Lefty on the mound. I don't mind having Brasso on that spot. Like he has cooled off. He, for the most part, has been really good against lefties this year, really good pinch hitter. But I think it puts a little too much pressure on him putting him in that cleanup spot when that's not necessarily where you would view Mike Brasso as a hitter on a major league baseball team. I think if you have Rowdy in, in the usual or three or four spot and he's the guy again coming up with runners on base, got two hits against a lefty. Obviously, he's not as good against lefties as he is against Rowdy's or righties, rowdy versus the righties, uh, as we established uh, looking at his some of his numbers last week. But I think he's still the guy in the lineup that provides you the most p- potential for that big hit, that big home run with runners on base when you need it. So when when you're going about this situation, I, 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 I think you, you put Bross in on occasion against the lefty, you move Arias to second base, but you keep Rowdy in his normal spot in the lineup in the middle of that lineup because as evidenced by that first inning, he would have come up to the plate with runners on base, you know, butterfly effect situation. You can't exactly say it would have gone the same way, but he came through and he got two hits against left-handers. So it's something I'm always going to want to keep him in the lineup, no matter who's on the mound, just because I think the, the value add when plugging in, Keston instead of him against the lefty, it's proven, and we've said this a million times, so no one should be surprised at me saying this. I think the value add just isn't there, and 
I just want Rowdy in the middle of the lineup. He's he's been your most reliable hitter this year. And at a certain point, it's just you need to roll with your your best nine guys and go from there, no matter the matchup when the insertions into the lineup aren't really giving you what you're hoping they'll give you. I mean, he has a 718 OPS against lefties this season. This is not catastrophic. I know we've talked about this and talked about this and talked about this, but it just continues to be an issue because of the way Council is approaching it. Um, I'd actually have them in front of me. He was asked, I think, later in the series about trying to find spots for Keston and giving some of his reasoning. Honestly, none of it very convincing in part because that's what coaches and managers do in sports is they're really, really accomplished at saying nothing over a very long period of time. And that's kind of what he does, just really a no answer. But Rowdy, three homers against left-handed pitching this year, nine runs batted in. I I actually think the key thing, and we see some of in this series generally, he he is not as good against left-handers. That's understandable it's kind of a given but his power still demands respect of the pitcher and he still gets walked because there is there is an element of care being taken with him because i know well if i get this pitch wrong it's still rowdy Tellez. he could absolutely smash this out of there and i think that is another factor that just doesn't necessarily come into play for some of the other options at that spot Rowdy commands a level of respect based on his production overall for the season. That is not true of Keston Hero. You know, we know what Keston's capable of, but we also know that consistency is a major, major issue. And I think most pitchers facing him, they're not going to be quaking in their boots. They're not going to feel like, well, this is the brewer I really have to worry about, which Rowdy has been that guy this season. So, I think when he's in the lineup, you're still you're you're making it even psychologically just a little bit tougher for the pitcher. They're gonna have to lock in because he's still rowdy Tellez. And honestly, that 718 OPS against lefties. There are some guys on this team that overall do not have an OPS at that level. So it it really could be a whole lot worse. And I just think the threat that Rowdy always poses. One in what he could do, he could produce some magic for you, but also just in, I think the questions having him in the game are going to ask the opposing pitcher. It just really feels like something that Council is continuing to overthink. I mean, the simplest way that I keep putting it is the guy's your home run leader and your RBI leader. Like, what are you doing? You don't have the offensive firepower. You don't have an alternative option at first base where you can be like, you know what? we're going to get equivalent production by sitting ready to Les today against the lefty. So I, that's, that's where I'm at. It's still where I'm at. We'll talk as a bit. So the other decisions as it goes on, but um, good to see him still in, but then to see him down a six in the order was pretty puzzling. I can't remember him being that far down the order since very early in the season. Uh, with those hits, he has raised his season. WRC plus against lefties to 104, so 4% above league average. His career WRC plus against lefties is now a dead MLB average at 100. His walk rate, to your point, 10.5%, not as, like, not stellar, but slightly above average. And, yeah, it just keeps coming back. Now, we may be accused 
being biased because Rowdy has been a long favorite of this podcast. But I think what we're saying is just logic. It just makes sense. And it's just he needs to be in the lineup uh, unless it's unless it's a day where it's like, OK, Rowdy's been going 10 days straight need to get this guy a break for his physical and mental well-being fine but when it's yeah that's different. okay we're putting out our best lineup rowdy has to be in that lineup yeah and he's my favorite player in the team like i've not made any secret about that go look at his production for the season like compare him relative to his teammates and what what he gives you i i don't i don't think we could be accused of bias. I think it's very simple. If there was alternative options that were good, the conversation is entirely different. The reality is there isn't. This is why we, along with all other Brewers fans, wanted a bat at the deadline. It's to give them options. I don't honestly think the most pressing place for that would have been, you know, someone who could come in and give Rowdy a day off against lefties. I think it's it's shown, I mean, since the deadline even center field is a problem for the Brewers right now. It's it's certainly an area where I think the time should be coming to uh, let's take a look at Esteri Ruiz, but Rowdy's numbers, I think, are there for the season to back it up. So I am not accepting, Andrew, any accusations of bias that may be leveled against us. Yeah, neither am I, but nevertheless. Uh... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Going into game two, after that tough 4-0 loss, this game had everything. It was exhausting. I think the message that I said to you 
as we peel back the curtain, as I often do, was I feel like I played in that baseball game. This is a game that turned up to 11, Adam, went 11 innings, uh, started off in, on a, in a great way. Uh, the Brewers continued their trend of getting runners on early. Christian Yelich walks, Willie Adamas homers, makes it 2 nothing early with Brandon Woodruff on the mound. You feel pretty good about that. And Woodruff, for the most part, was excellent. But uh, a fifth inning got his pitch count up and ended up uh, uh, knocking him out of the game, essentially, even though he would get out of the inning. Five innings pitch, five hits, two runs. Both of them were earned, two walks, eight strikeouts, and the two runs were two solo homers that would be his undoing. Joey Gallo, uh, rumored uh, trade deadline name that the, the Brewers were poking around, uh, hit a solo homer to right. Mookie Betts, one of the best players in baseball, hits a solo homer to left. It's 2-2 in the fifth. And the Brewers would answer right back, and this is something we need to talk about because, my God, it was glorious. Christian Yelich crushes a home run 451 feet. Uh, it's something that I didn't quite believe when I saw it. The ball was just absolutely crushed, and, and he's a guy that had not um, had a homer since May 5th. I think that was the game he cycled against the Reds. He's only got nine on the season, 112.4 mile per hour exit velocity. His exit velocity velocities have been good this year, but he's been hitting the ball on the ground. That was some launch angle, Adam, and uh, that ball was tattooed. Look, we know it's it's in there. It is still in there. Uh, we said this already in the season. A lot of his numbers have been much, much better. I I do also wonder to what extent, like he's a different player and he's embracing that. And part of that feels like his job is a little bit different and maybe his focus in terms of, he's not to get on base. He's the leadoff guy. Um, still, Jarring, very satisfying. It would be nice to see some more of it. It's there, Andrew. It is there. The problem is it's not ever going to be there at a game-by-game or one-game-every-series kind of level that would bring him back to the kind of heights he was once at. But I think the the conversation with Yelly is just going to continue to be long-term. Hopefully, one, he continues to have the kind of success he's had um, as a leadoff hitter, it is also, I mean, another way that this uh, home run was relevant is he was in a massive, massive slump, and that was a good way to get out of it. And not an unbelievable series, but a productive enough series beyond that point after it. Let's see him get back to the kind of levels he was performing at a few weeks ago. And then it will always just be kind of a little bit more pop, just, you know, reappear from time to time. Can we see something like this a little bit more often? It's not impossible. That's that's really what this should be, you know, record of. It's not impossible. The next half inning, Brad Boxberger would take over for Brandon Woodruff. And I think you had mentioned to me that it was nine or was it nine days that he had not pitched in? Meant, I'm, I'm, I, think I, I think I was wrong on that. It was the guts of a week. I think it was very okay. close to, if, if not a week, um, which I think it I think it was an old friend that good we'll talk idea. about later that uh, an old friend that we'll talk about later who had not pitched in nine days and it did not go as well as I went for Brad Boxberger. But Boxberger uh, gets Muncie to ground out, strikes out uh, Justin Turner and Gavin Lux. So good performance there from Box um, bouncing back after it's been a tumultuous second half of the season for him. But if he can lock it back in along with some new additions and uh, 
old friends on the team uh, locking back into form. That bodes well for the back half of this bullpen. Uh, one of those guys would have a uh, tough top of the seventh after the Brewers go down in order in the sixth. Uh, Matt Bush comes on, who's looked really good lately, uh, allows a Chris Taylor home run um, to right field, kind of an opposite field shot, and that would make it 3-3 from that point. Um, this game would go all the way into Manford ball after uh, some good, some continued good defense and extra innings by the Brewers in the top half of the tenth. They would get a chance to to win the game in the bottom half of the tenth. Andrew McCutcheon scorches a line drive into kind of the left center field gap. And Chris Taylor, he of 2018 NLCS catch fame, makes a great play. I was legitimately shocked. Uh, McCutcheon up against uh, Alex Vessia and Taylor just robs him. Uh, as you'll remember, game seven of the NLCS in 2018, like I mentioned, makes a catch to Rob Yelich. And Yelich said what we were all thinking in the post game. He said, I definitely thought about it. This guy, come on. Uh, so <laughs> that, that was uh, uh, a little stressful at that point. You thought you had a chance to win the game. It wouldn't happen. Then in the 11th with uh, Brent Suter coming on, Justin Turner singles to score. Freddie Freeman makes it 4-3. Uh, they would get out of the rest of the inning. And then the bottom of the 11th was uh, was where, where it all happened uh, with uh, the Manfred man on second. Uh, Hunter Renfro reads the situation, sees the infield kind of playing back because it's Hunter Renfro. Why wouldn't you? Lays down a bunt that looked like he was going for a hit all the way, reaches safely, gets the runner over to third. Colton Wong strikes out. Luis Arias walks. Bases are now loaded. And then Victor Caratini with a bloop single to right field walks it off. Brewers win five to four. Adam, I know you hate bunts, hate but bunts. I, for one, I, for one, commend Hunter Renfro for his read of the situation doing what he had to do to get the job done. Yeah, that, that's the big takeaway there for me, because honestly, it's not something I would generally put down as, you know, one of the standout skills or traits of Hunter Renfro's game, but that's great situational awareness. That's simple as that. Good reading of the game, good poise, and well executed. And sets himself up to uh, to be able to, in famous big country fashion. You know, I just love when big country gets powering around the bases and he managed to do that here to get home safe for the second round that got the Brewers to win. One thing I do want to call out before moving on to the next game, obviously this was an exciting win. Victor Caratini is no stranger to the walk-off win this season. Uh, he's got another one as well. But uh, so Bush obviously allows the solo homer, got a scoreless inning from Taylor Rogers, and then a scoreless inning from Devin Williams, Hogan Miller with the scoreless, scoreless inning in the first half of uh, that Manford ball 10th. Uh, uh, we've had a lot of conversation and speculation around what council is going to do with the bullpen and how he's going to be able to mix and match and bring in guys depending on the situation. And that's partially true because it seems like Taylor Rogers and Matt Bush can be flip-flopped in that seventh, eighth inning, however it goes. Maybe they need them in the sixth. But in the two games in the series where it got to the ninth inning and it was a close game and in one case, a game of the lead, Devin Williams was locked into that ninth inning. So it looks like, and I think it should be, I'm very happy with this. I like the flexibility, especially if Rosenthal is hitting 98. I like the flexibility from six through eight. I love having Devin as the guy in the ninth that comes in and closes things down. My, my one thing with that is 
you know, not that we should really buy in too much to the reasoning given for the trade and the advantages the Brewers saw. One of the things talked up in a major way was the ability to be like, is this who who is who's coming up? Where are we at in the batting order? Are we better going Devin? Are we better going Taylor Rogers? And we're gonna view this situationally. And I saw plenty of Brewers fans get carried away with, oh, this is Craig is so good in these situations. You know, it's just picking the right guy, the right moment. And Hayter had him locked into this spot. I don't think it's the wrong decision to have Devin in that spot, but just it was another thing that this trade was sold on, which is nonsense because Devin Williams is the guy that you'll trust relative to who else you have there. So it's going to be Devin in the ninth. Uh, what else have I got on this game? Uh, Chris Taylor, very annoying. That's just generally <laughs> seems to uh, seems to be a pretty great defender. I don't know, does he just have a flair for the spectacular? But there were some just more kind of solid things. Um, definitely a different brand of outfield defense than what I'm generally accustomed to seeing watching the Brewers all the time. Um, Cody Ballinger, too, had some some good defensive plays. The, the Dodgers outfield defensively felt very, very different to the Brewers' outfield defensively. I don't know if that is fair. If I'm reading it, it's a very small sample size. But based on the Dodgers' record, I'm guessing there probably is something to that. Um, yeah, there must be. Uh, so Devin Williams, I just want to take a look at uh, why I think he should be the the guy in the ninth is because he's, I mean, he's more dominant against righties, but he's dominant against everyone. I mean, against righties, a 111 batting average, 208 OBP, 124 slug against lefties. It jumps up, 203 batting average, 295 OBP, 290 slug, still dominating everybody. So uh, Devin in the ninth and then flexibility throughout is something that I'm in favor of. We'll see how it continues the rest of the season. Uh, game three in this series. This was a long series. Adam was another game. Uh that featured some offensive struggles. And part of that is because the pitcher they were facing off against has having a great year and proved why once again, Tony Gonsolin um, is second in ERA in the national league at two, one, two. I forgot to mention Julio Arias is two, four, zero. Both of those guys do not have the bulk innings that Sandy Alcantara and Corbin Burns have. Alcantara is just blowing everyone away in terms of just the amount of innings he's following up this season. But Nevertheless, these are two guys that are two of the best pitchers, starting pitchers in the National League, and they showed why Gonsolin was dominant. Seven innings pitched, just two hits allowed, one walk, eight strikeouts. The Brewers just got nothing going. Um, they had three at-bats with runners in scoring position, um, did get one hit, but that was after um, after Gonsolin was removed from the game. Eric Lauer did his best to match him. He scattered uh, seven base runners across seven innings, allowed – uh, two runs, seven strikeouts. And as we're often saying on this podcast, the two runs came via two solo homers. Austin loves, Barnes loves giving up solo shots. Uh, Austin Barnes in the sixth, Max Muncy in the seventh. So two nothing after seven. That one hit was scoring uh, runners in scoring position would come via Christian Yelich in the eighth. But can we, can we is- just for a second on that? Because I'm curious as to your. What what can we do about that? What can the Brewers do about that? How do you how do you fix that? What is it about Eric Lauer that wait, if he's giving up hits, he's giving up homers? Like where where do you see that? Is that I don't think it's been like dips in 
dips in kind of how hard he's trolling it. I, that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, his control is generally pretty good, like not a whole lot of walks here. So what what can we do about this? Because it is kind of pretty jarring. I, I'm most impressed with how he manages to time it more often than not to be solo shots. So, for example, you stay in the game and have a chance to win. But obviously this is like... You look at the version of Lauer that was there for quite a long time. He had a phenomenal stretch where he was pitching at a level where he was basically, not that anyone was going to talk about him like it, but he was the best pitcher in the National League performance-wise for a stretch from about last summer through to the first few months of this season. And since then, honestly, a lot of that is still there except for these rogue home runs. So... Do you see anything? Do you think of anything in these kind of situations? What is the approach usually for teams when a pitcher is just kind of inexcusably giving up homers? You can, you, before a game, you can kind of book Lauer in for two single shots now. I, the, the short answer is I have no idea because it's just, it's inexplicable to a degree. I think he's going to be a homer prone guy who works up in the zone a lot. And if he's missing in the zone, that can be an issue. His command ebbs and flows because obviously he'll also have games where he piles up quite a few walks, but just it's gotten to the point where I'm kind of throwing my hands up because he's allowed like this is by far his career high in in home runs allowed for a season. And obviously we've got, he'll have more starts to go 24 homers at 125 and two thirds innings. He's allowed, I think, um, I had it here. He's the third most homers allowed um, for starting pitchers in baseball or in the NL. So he's. Which like this, that. Hey, and a, all MLB. That, that in a tree 58 ERA, like. It's kind it of impressive. It's not <laughs> exactly mesh. Yeah, it's wild. The, 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 the way that he locks in with runners on base is kind of crazy like it's part of it's probably just the natural command issues that come and go with him and oftentimes it's him missing out of the zone and lately it's been him missing in the zone and some of it's bad luck but i i don't know what you do to correct it otherwise other than saying like because i don't i don't think he's like switching a flip uh uh flipping Flipping a switch switch. off and say yeah flipping a switch off and saying (laughs) like all right no one's on base i'm time to relax Uh, like it's, it's just missing with his pitches and these power bats are making him pay and power bats and Austin Barnes. Well, at least if uh, he's going to keep missing, let's keep timing it as well as he is so that, you know, you've still got a chance to win in spite of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If, if he's doing it like this, it's still giving seven strong innings and only allowing two runs. Like if, if you want to pencil it in that all he'll do every start is allow two solo shots. You got to take that. Um, but unfortunately, on this day, the Brewers' offense did not have it. As we mentioned, Gonsolin uh, got the job done through seven innings. Uh, they were able to to sneak that run across against Caleb Ferguson, who went one inning, a hit, two walks, two strikeouts, the Yelich uh, single that scored a run. He did not look great. Uh, but then Craig Kimbrell uh, came in and scattered two base runners in the ninth, was able to get out of it. Looked like the Brewers would have a chance to win there, but just couldn't get the job done against Kimbrell. And uh, overall, just a tough day for the offense. Only mustered four hits. Uh, and uh, that was kind of that. Peter Shreslecki throws a scoreless inning. 
Uh, Brent Suter throws a scoreless inning, so great, great day from the pitching overall. Uh, Pierce is lucky he's been really good for quite some time. That's just one thing, as you say, his name. Um, really, really good. Maybe maybe some more thought should go into that, particularly with some of the ups and downs of other bullpen guys. Maybe give him a little bit more opportunity, trust him a little bit more. Um, you talked about sneaking in a run. They really, really did sneak in that run. That was one of the closest um, I've seen without actually being thrown out of home plate this season for the Brewers. Take that, truly, Chris Taylor. <laughs> truly, truly provocative send by Jason Lane. Um, it worked out, I guess. But yeah, interesting, interesting decision making. Yeah, uh, if you see the still shot of Ty- of Tyrone not having reached third base when Chris Taylor's fielding that ball. Uh, it was, it was a little, uh, nerve wracking to say the least, but he got the job done, uh, moving on to the final game of this series. So after the tight, tough loss that could have been there for the taking, but the bats just, uh, weren't up to it in the, in the end, uh, coming into a Burns day matinee start looking for that split and who would get the Brewers started off on the right track and keep them going on the right track. It was Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, solo homer in the first, two-run homer in the third. Brewers are up 3 nothing to that point. Corbin Burns is pitching well, has uh, thrown up five scoreless innings, and then Hunter Renfro stakes him to another two runs in the fifth with a two-run homer uh, two days after bunting. So Renaissance man Hunter Renfro can lay one down and uh, hit the homer. Sixth inning is where it got away from from Burns overall was was looking very good and very sharp. And then it got away from a little bit in the sixth, five and two thirds innings pitch, six hits, three runs. All of them were earned two walks, six strikeouts. Uh, Will Smith single scores, uh, Trey Turner, and then Gavin Lux triples to center field uh, to score Freddie Freeman and Will Smith. Tyrone Taylor keeping that ball in the ballpark uh, for a triple instead of a a home run. And uh, that would end Burns' day. Brad Boxberger comes on. Uh, with runners on, walks one, and then records a strikeout to get out of that inning. And then the bullpen, as it's as it was promised to us, showed itself in in this in this glimmer. Is it a sign of things to, to come? We hope. Scoreless inning from Taylor Rogers. Scoreless inning from Matt Bush. Scoreless inning with three strikeouts from Devin Williams. Who we <laughs> there was no surprise in that. Brewers. Uh, leave Milwaukee and head to Chicago with a 2-2 series split and a 5-3 win in the final game of the series. Really came down to Andrew McCutcheon, Hunter Renfro, a little bit of Corbin Burns uh, getting you to to the sixth inning and then the bullpen shutting things down. And uh, you'll take two out of four against the Dodgers with the way they were playing. They'd won 12 in a row before losing to the Royals uh, in a series finale coming into the series. So one of the hotter teams in baseball. 81-36 and 36 this year. We talked about the gaudy run differential uh brewers are only scored <laughs> third uh outscored by two runs in this series despite struggling to score they did a very good job at holding down the dodgers bats and uh you'll take your split and and head to wrigley yeah imagine having a 17 game lead in your division it must be nice to be the dodgers uh Corbin burns went exactly the same way as brandon Woodruff. i think that's worth noting they had Unbelievably similar games, certainly finishes to their games. Uh, for Woody, I know it can be an issue third time around the order. There can be some more success for for the opposing team at that point. 
Um, less so for Corbin Burns. I don't know. Do you think is that just maybe this is where it shows up how good the Dodgers are that a third look at both guys they really oh, started yeah. to jump on it. Is that where you you see that really paying off for the Dodgers? But because your third time through the order against the Dodgers is Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith. So it's like yeah, uh, uh, Turner doubles, Freddie singles, and all of a sudden you're in a big mess. And I think it just it really is just the power of the Dodgers lineups. I mean, a lot of teams are going to have stacked top of their lineup. So you get to the third time around, they've seen what you're offering. You're a little tired. It's something that is common for starting pitchers and obviously burns his uncommon as a starting mm-hmm. pitcher, but even he is not immune to coming up against a, a high powered offense. And I mean, he didn't even have to face Mookie Betts this series. who got the day or yeah, got the day off uh, in that final game. So yeah, I think it just comes to the death of that lineup. I mean, when you got a guy like, as well, I mean, you, you, they set the table there um, with their marquee names. I mean, Freddie Freeman obviously signed him to a big long-term contract. Trey Turner is going to be one of the hottest names on the free agent market um, this offseason. And then you have a guy like Gavin Lux. Two hitting, homers in the series. And 12 he, OBS. <laughs> he's hitting sixth in your lineup, and he's 295, 373, 439 as a middle infielder. It's like – they just they've just got guys up and down the order, um, and then there's Cody Bellinger, uh, who we talk about Christian Yelich's uh, fall off since his M- MVP season. At least he's not on the Cody Bellinger train. Is is Cody Bellinger's defense very good though, or is that oh, yeah, just something... defense? Oh, his defense is very good. He's a really good center fielder, um, but he is just fundamentally broken at the plate. <laughs> but they can kind of afford that. You know, yeah, they can. His defense is like good. <laughs> if you're the Brewers, you can't get away with that as easily. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the one other thing just on on that when we talk about um, Corbin and Woody and their struggles third time through the order, just another reason to again tip our hat to Eric Lauer, who managed to avoid that, managed to survive that one. Um, I certainly think if Freddie's pitch count was lower, I it's probably for the best that this wasn't the time where Freddie found himself in the fifth or sixth. But yeah, well done, Eric Lauer. And I, I think overall, like it is, it was tough seeing Corbin finish that way, tough seeing Woodruff finish that way. But they both pitched very good games. And when you look at the series, as you've said, it's pitching that won the day here. We're seeing something that is much closer to resembling what we imagined as Brewers started pitching. Adrian Hauser is going to be really, really close right now. I don't know, actually, has he been, has he been slotted in yet? Not He is not. And council had a comment about that uh, to Adam McAlvey the other day. He said something to the effect of we're going to make the, like get the most out of this calendar, I think. So what it sounds like is you have, a window of 30 days that you can rehab. So okay. they might, they might take this into September call-ups when the roster expands by two more spots. Might, maybe hmm. might not take it that far. Might just bridge up next to it. But uh, he also struggled in his last outing. So it sounds like that return is just up in the air right now, but. Okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I realized in that moment I know next to nothing about what all a rehab assignment entails and what kind of wiggle room you have with roster flexibility and keeping them 
in on that assignment because obviously coming to a roster crunch at, you're like oh need to need to dfa someone to get them to nashville can you just fake an injury and say oh he's, he's going to rehab for a month or whatever it works out so i'll do some research on that uh offline to know exactly what he meant by making the calendar he didn't not didn't say this exact phrase but making the calendar work for us was kind of how it sounded in in my brain who knows uh but yeah there you have it uh two games split against the dodgers and now you get three against the cubs coming up uh, before we before we look ahead, we can transition to the the Master Brewer leaderboard. Uh, as we mentioned, Eric Lauer, good outing, got deep into a game and uh, a close game where you you also didn't have to use any of your big arms and you still had a chance to win. Part of that was Lauer, part of that was Strzelecki and Brent Suter. So good work all around. Eric Lauer, seven innings pitch, four hits, three walks, two earned runs, seven strikeouts. Taylor Rogers bounced back from a really tough performance against the Cardinals. Two innings pitch, no hits, no walks, two strikeouts. Devin Williams just looking dominant. Two innings pitch, no hits, no walks, four strikeouts, and a save. Andrew McCutcheon, uh, not great numbers for the series. Two for 12, a walk, but he had those two home runs in the final game of the series, which uh, in concert with this next man, Hunter Renfro, who went four for 16, with two runs, scored a homer and two RBI. Uh, it was the Andrew McCutcheon and Hunter Renfro show. In that final game, Renfro also with that heads-up bunt that ended up leading to a win in the Manfred Ball game on Tuesday. Leaderboard through 117 games. Rowdy Telez with 18. Corbin Burns with 14. Christian Yelich with 13. Andrew McCutcheon now moves uh, into a, a solo spot with 11. Willie Adamas at 10. Hunter Renfro and Jace Peterson at 9. Devin Williams, Luis Arias, Brandon Woodruff at 8. Eric Lauer, Tyrone Taylor, Colton Wong, Josh Hader at 7. Aaron Ashby, Hobie Milner, Keston Hira at five. Trevor Gott, Jonathan Davis, Victor Caratini, Jason Alexander, Freddie Peralta with three. Matt Bush, Brad Boxberger, Omar Narvaez, Adrian Hauser with two. Taylor Rogers, Yandel Gustave, Brent Suter, Luke Barker, Peter Streslecky with a single beer. Master Brewer leaderboard. Can I give one more shout out? Uh, only played once in the series, so not quite at the bar we usually set for uh, a Master Brew point. Mario Feliciano, though, hit first um, first major league hit, I believe it was, against the Dodgers, right? He didn't get one in the previous series. Uh, correct. This was his uh, first hit. They retrieved the ball and everything. Also, walk in that game. And he gunned out a runner at second base. So, very, very solid, impressive work from him in giving <laughs> Dirk Caratini uh, a rare... He didn't actually... Uh, Caratini ultimately came in late the game, so he didn't even get a a full day off, but um, giving, you know, an, an opportunity for Caratini to to get some time off, which has been very, very rare for poor Victor lately. Uh, I'm sure he's excited about Omar Narvaez coming back very soon. Yes, that's another guy who has been on rehab at Nashville along with Adrian Hauser and Trevor Rosenthal. So some guys potentially being added back into the mix at, Jake at some Cousins. point. Uh, Jake Cousins, yes, and uh, Justin Topa. So a lot of guys, a lot of guys uh, that the Brewers will have decisions to make on where they slot in. So, um, and, and then potentially, like you said, uh, if Tyrone Taylor uh, continues to to struggle, uh, does Ruiz come up? Does Freelick come up? I would uh, if if uh, the Brewers. We're Santa Claus. 
and I could put something on my wish list. Oh man, do I want a Ruiz Freelick platoon? But it's not happening. Moving on. Uh, standings watch season is actually appropriate now. I've been doing it all year, but now it's come to the time where it actually makes sense to do this. St. Louis Cardinals lead the NL Central by three games. They are 66 and 51. The Brewers find themselves 63 and 54. Like I said, three games back. The wild card race is tightening. The San Diego Padres dropped the first game of a four game series to the Washington Nationals last night. Old friend Josh Hader has apparently not not figured out exactly what was playing him. Like I mentioned, I think he had not pitched in nine days. Comes into a game with runners on base in the ninth yesterday. Goes hit by pitch. Walks in a run. Very hard line drive. Sack fly to make it 3-1 Nationals. The Nationals uh, would finish that game off in the uh, bottom of the ninth. And so now the Brewers find themselves a game back of the San Diego Padres for the third and final wild card spot. Two games back of the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, for that second wild card spot, the Braves, I think, are uh, like eight and a half up or something of that nature. Seven, so that's seven not really and a half, eight and a half on the Brewers. Yeah. yeah, eight and a half on the Brewers is uh, what I was going for there. So that's out of range. But the Phillies, Padres, Brewers, Cardinals, all fighting for similar terrain. And that brings us to a weekend series that uh, – is like like we said the the most important day for the Milwaukee Milwaukee Brewers is always the day that they are in because every win matters at this point. Um, and they head to Chicago to f- face the Chicago Cubs. We were one win away, Adam, from from me jetting off to Chicago and and hanging out at Wrigley Field for a weekend. I was very close to just doing it despite them not winning three or four, but I restrained myself. I'll see. I'll see. I would. I would have got annoyed at you if you'd gone. I would have. I because because the universe we finished. Needs we to... finished a different podcast last night. Andrew was, you know, stressed about just how busy his week is next week, just how hectic it is. And I open up our Discord, and he's like, mm, "You know, maybe, maybe I'll still." I'm like, "This guy, this guy, <laughs> he just he cannot stop himself from considering events." Uh, so I'm glad for you that you didn't actually pull the trigger on that one. So, uh, you know, that worked yeah, out. Jo- Jordan Tresky is a GSPN representative at Wrigley Field uh, today. So good things generally happen when Jordan watches Milwaukee sports. Whether that carries, though, across state lines, that I don't know if we've ever established that. So this is a test of just how great Jordan's powers are. Do they only work within the boundaries of the state of Wisconsin. We'll find out what the Brewers do against the Cubs. I think my thing on the standings now is I'm just going to, I'm going to refocus and it's not about the division anymore. It's about the wildcard race and the wildcard race is competitive enough that I think if the Brewers just focus on that and focus on that and focus on that, you never know. You might find yourself kind of all of a sudden back within range of the Cardinals are in position if they have any slip up. But I do think the focus has got to be Phillies, Padres. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's taking care of the easiest task first on your to-do list, kind of. You see the team, all right, we're a game back of them. We, you know, we just got to keep winning, and then, you know, we'll be tied, and then we'll be a game ahead. And then if you keep doing that, and the Cardinals somehow keep getting closer to you as well, that's just, you know, it's, it's just about, you know, visualizing. Yeah, if you if you want to win the division, you've got to get into the playoffs. So let's let's get into the wild card spots, and then you're like, okay, well, we're going to be in the playoffs. Maybe we should win the division. 
Uh, I think that would be the way I'm starting to approach it because there is a bit of a gap there. The Cardinals, to their credit, are looking uh, pretty good. <laughs> they had 12 runs by the fifth inning against the Rockies yesterday, which is not all that encouraging if you're, you know, fan of a team trying to chase them down. Um, I see the on ESPN here the playoff probability odds like Brewers are down at fifty nine point nine percent. It's it's tough sliding from here. They need to really start doing what they haven't done all season. Take care of the crappy NL Central teams that you've still got games against. If you do that, then maybe you give yourself a real chance. And they will have ample opportunity starting. Maybe while you're listening to this podcast, because we've got early starts all weekend in Chicago uh, today on Friday, 120 Central start Aaron Ashby versus Keegan Thompson tomorrow, Saturday, August 20th, 120 Central start on Fox Sports. One again, Freddie Peralta versus Marcus Stroman. The series finale Sunday, August 21st, 120 Central start Brandon Woodruff versus Justin Steele. Then three more out in L.A., and then comes the stretch that you're talking about that they really need to take advantage of. Three with the Cubs, three with the Pirates, all, all six of those are at home. Then a West Coast road trip against the Diamondbacks are not very good. The Rockies, who are not very good, but you play in Coors Field, so weird stuff can happen there. As the Cardinals learned uh, by dropping a couple of games out there last week and then absolutely battering the Rockies when they would come to St. Louis. Then two with San Francisco at home three with the Reds at home, and that takes you into a tough stretch against the Cards, Yankees, and Mets. So, yeah, after the series with L.A. and Los Angeles, you've got a big stretch against teams that have nothing to play for, and you have everything to play for. So uh, that could be where they play their way back into this race. We'll have to see. They need to take care of business against bad teams, and that's that's what we're looking for. All right. Let's hope we're here to talk about three wins against the Cubs. Always nice to talk about wins against the Cubs. It would be particularly nice on this occasion to make sure you never miss an episode. Subscribe to Cruising for Bruising wherever you get your podcasts. As Andrew touched on earlier, you should also subscribe to the Eurostep Podcast Network. That's where you'll get all episodes of Eurostep, all episodes of Win and Six, all your Milwaukee Books content. GSPN.substack.com. You'll get your Master Brewer leaderboard updates and our pod episodes directly to your inbox. You should also go to gspn.info. There you get all the other various things we've got going on. If you want to check out the Cruising for Bruising merch in the store, you can do it there. If you want to get in the Discord and be a part of all of the Brewers talk that happens day to day in there with all of our listeners and ourselves, you can get in there. Um, we've got all sorts of stuff going on. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're on Twitter at BrewersGSPN. I'm at AdamMcGill11. Andrew is at AC Snide. As always, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. <laughs>